Happy Easter, church family. Jesus Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. Let's all rise as I read the gospel message this morning, which is found in Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothing was white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While they were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests everything that had happened. After the priest had assembled with the elders, they devised a plan to give a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, You must say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. If this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story is told among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of this age. This is the word of God for the people of God. When I think of Easter, the verse that often comes to my mind is from the prophet Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. I love that verse. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. The writer of the Gospel of Matthew, he also loved this prophecy from Isaiah. In fact, he puts it in chapter four of the Gospel as Jesus is beginning his ministry to all of Israel and to the people. Matthew writes from Isaiah, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. The light of dawn has come upon us. The king has indeed returned. It is Easter. It is the great celebration as people of faith, as Christians, we come together to celebrate the resurrection. Now, I don't know about you, but this Easter is a little bit different than what we typically expect. 
You know, on Easter Sunday, we're used to coming together and gathering together as a church body uh, in, in the building. We're, we're used to the, the family gatherings, the celebrations, the traditions, the, the Easter lilies, the food. But this Easter is a little bit different. It's probably different from anything you've ever experienced before. If you're like me, I think this is the first Easter I've ever had where I have not been in the church building. For, and and as, I've, as I've gone through this service and prepared for this service, just thinking about that has caught me off guard at times because Easter is properly celebrated as a body of Christ. But this Easter is different in many regards. Some of our traditions have had to be put on hold. Some of our family gatherings have been disrupted. Some are celebrating Easter alone, maybe for the first time. We're not getting together with family and friends like we typically do. And it can be overwhelming if we're not careful. It can catch us off guard. If we're not careful, it can distract us from the true glory of Easter. But I want us to strip away all of those outer props that oftentimes hold up our holidays uh, and oftentimes can even overshadow the glory of this day that can sometimes distract us from the core of this celebration. The true message, though, is this, the deep joy that the king has returned. It is Easter. The king has risen. Jesus has overcome death. That is why we are here. Easter fulfills those deepest longings of the human heart. It is a reminder of the deep joy that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. That's why we've come today. And no matter what happens, no matter what our circumstances, we serve a king that has conquered death. We serve a king that invites us into his kingdom, invites us to have life eternal in the kingdom of heaven. Someone ought to shout amen at that one. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. That's what we come to celebrate today. It was the hope of the prophet Isaiah and Isaiah had been given a glimpse of what was to come, of that future promise of God, that the light from eternity would dawn someday and bring eternal joy. In that same chapter that Isaiah speaks about this coming light, he also prophesied about a child, that this child would be born someday, a son given to us, that all authority would rest on his shoulder, that he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah had been given a glimpse of that future he had been given a glimpse that this future king would sit on the throne of David and rule in the kingdom and that his kingdom would reign with justice and righteousness forevermore. Isaiah would go on to prophesy in chapter 12 of Isaiah this word. Listen to this, this word. It's such a great word for us today. Chapter 12, verse three through six. It says this, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the nations, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion, 
for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. I love that verse. When is the day that we are called to do all this? That day is today. That day is today. That day is is really every day as an Easter people, we live into that promise, that hope of Isaiah. Today, we give thanks to the Lord. Today, we rejoice and proclaim his name. Today, we sing praises to the Lord. For God has done glorious things. Today is the day. Today is the day to shout aloud and to sing for joy. And I love how this little section starts out in verse three. It says this, and I'd love for you to just let this verse sink deep into your soul. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. What a great image Isaiah is giving us. And it's Easter. It's my prayer that the joy of salvation would indeed overwhelm your soul. And if you're here today and you, you don't have that joy of salvation, I invite you to listen to the story. Maybe you've never heard the story before. Maybe it's been a long time or you don't know completely what this story means. Well, I invite you to open your heart today to hear this story of salvation and resurrection, this Easter story. See, because it's the story of God's rescue plan for your life. May it fill you with joy. As Matthew is relaying the events of this great Easter day, the light of dawn has just broken. And the text says that two women are going to the tomb of Jesus. And in, in fact, they're both named Mary. And they're on their way to the tomb. And they're still reeling from the horror of the previous Friday of seeing someone they loved being brutally murdered on a cross. And after his death, they didn't really have time to properly prepare his body for burial. So they're coming back early this Sunday morning to prepare Jesus's body. So now, as they're coming to the tomb, as they're coming to say their goodbyes, they're prepared to cry. They are prepared to mourn. They're prepared to experiencing that that hole that you have in your heart after you've lost a loved one. They're coming prepared for a funeral. They didn't expect what was about to happen. They weren't prepared for what they saw and experienced. It overwhelmed them. It, it reversed the great horror they had just experienced. The text says that there was an earthquake that took place and an angel came down from heaven and, and rested on the stone of the tomb Uh, And it says his appearance was like lightning and that his appearance, uh, he was dressed white as snow. And the Roman guards who were supposed to be guarding the tomb, it it says that they they fell like dead men and probably they passed out, they fainted. Uh, They were appointed to guard the tomb because the chief religious leaders thought that Jesus's disciples would come and take the body of Jesus away and say that he had been resurrected. And in this interaction with the, with the guards, with the angel and the two women, Matthew actually inserts some irony into the story. It says, says the guards who are alive are compared to dead men and the dead man who was in the tomb is now alive. And what did the angel say to the women? Well, he said what angels always say when they make themselves known to, to humans. He says, don't be afraid. 
Hear that. Don't be afraid. That's the message for today. The message for us that we do not have to be afraid. And the text says, the angel said, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has been raised as he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. The king has returned. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the central fact of Christianity. It is the reason that we come together through our computer screens, our phones, our, our, our television sets. It is the reason why we come this morning. As the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says this, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And, and that's what we believe. And I believe with all my heart that the resurrection actually happened. It wasn't just a spiritual resurrection, but that Jesus, his body actually was raised from the dead, from the tomb. And I believe it partly because of the witnesses to it. Again, I return to Paul in 1 Corinthians when he is talking about this great event. This is 1 Corinthians 15, verse one through eight. Paul says this, for I handed on to you as of first importance, what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12 and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. This wasn't just some isolated event in history, just where one person witnessed the resurrection. As Paul tells us, more than 500 people witnessed this resurrection. But what has always struck me is the fact that all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when writing about the resurrection, in all four, the women are the first ones to see the risen Christ. I think that's fascinating. The honor of first seeing and worshiping the resurrected king was given to women. They are the first to proclaim his return. They are the first disciples. They're the first evangelists. They're the first to go and do what Jesus had called all of us to do. This speaks more to the truth of the story than, than even uh, those 500 witnesses to me. Because most Jewish men of, who were writing in the first century uh, would not want women to be the first converts, the first disciples of Christianity. It, it wouldn't have entered their mind if they were making up the story, but they weren't. They were speaking what actually happened. And here we have it. God often uses those who we wouldn't expect to proclaim his message. The angel spoke to the women and told them, don't be afraid, and told them to go and proclaim to the disciples that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And as the women are running to tell the disciples what took place, it says that they were filled with fear and with joy. Now, 
let me stop for just a moment here. They were filled with fear and with joy. Even though the angel told them to not be afraid, they still had a little fear. I think that's okay. It's okay for us to be afraid. It's okay for us to experience things that we don't understand and to be afraid, but don't let it rob you of joy. Don't let it rob you of the joy that you have been given. Here these women are running to tell the disciples they're filled with fear, but they're also filled with joy. Let that joy seep deep into your soul. It's okay to to be afraid sometimes to be overwhelmed by situations you might find yourself in, but we can still have joy. And as the women are on their way, the text says that they actually meet Jesus. They encounter the risen Jesus. And it says they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Now we might miss the significance of this moment if, if if we aren't careful. Throughout the Bible, we have these instances where heavenly messengers, where angels come down and they, they speak to the people or when great prophets are, are prophesying and, and people uh, tend to want to worship those beings. And anytime a person in the Bible is, tries to worship one of the angels, the angels will say, no, you are not to worship me. I am a, a messenger. You're only to worship God. Or anytime someone wants to try to worship one of the prophets or tell them that they're a God, the, the prophet would say, no, you're not to worship me. Me, you're only to worship God. But what happens here? Here they fall down, it says, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Here Jesus doesn't stop the women from what they're doing. They are prostrate on the ground at his feet, and Jesus accepts their worship. This is the return of the king. This is the risen Christ, the Messiah, the one who is God. The church is built on this central fact. Jesus has arisen from the grave. Jesus's resurrection is unique among all religions. Other religions have ideas about what is right and wrong. Other religions have ethical systems. Other religions have ideas about heaven and the afterlife. But only Christianity has a God who came to earth in the form of a human and died on our behalf for our sake and established his kingdom and allowed us to enter into his kingdom here on earth and in heaven for eternity. This is the unexpected joy of Easter. The king has returned. And because Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, We know that death has been conquered and that we too can have everlasting life beginning now here on this earth. Because of the resurrection, it gives us the church, the ability, the authority, the power to witness to our faith into the world. Because of the resurrection, it gives meaning to our life, even in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of suffering, no matter what happens, resurrection gives us hope for the future. Because of the resurrection, we are assured that Jesus is alive and ruling even now in heaven. He is not a myth. He is real. Because of the resurrection, the power of God that brought Jesus back from the dead to life, that same power is given to us and we have been given the spirit of God to reside within us. Because of the resurrection, all that was broken in the garden by Adam and Eve 
is now being made new. Because of the resurrection, we are now given the gift of living in the kingdom of heaven, life eternal. The king has returned. The king has returned. That's what we come to celebrate this day. We cannot miss the significance of this. You know, as we've journeyed through the gospel of Matthew, we've asked the question, who will be king? Will it be king me or will we place the crown on Jesus as king? Or will we be like those first women who fall at his feet and worship Jesus? But as we finish up this series and as we finish up on this Easter Sunday, I want to leave you with the final words of King Jesus. The final words that we see in the gospel of Matthew. As Jesus is giving his commandment to the disciples, as Jesus is inviting his disciples to go out and to proclaim his kingdom to the world, he says these final line, and I love it. He leaves them with this promise of hope and joy. He says this, remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm with you always to the end of the age. That is the good news. Let us pray. Oh God, as we come this day, on this Easter Sunday, we rejoice because the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. We thank you, oh God, for that light in Jesus, the true King. Lord, may he be King of our lives from this day and forevermore. We come to worship you this day. We thank you, O God, for the gift of salvation. And we draw down deep the joy of our salvation. We thank you that you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We praise you. And in the mighty name of Jesus, we all pray. Amen.